Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business. Removing friction and frustration for your employees. Supercharging productivity for your developers. Providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It is Armistice Day, 101 years after the guns fell silent on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month at the end of the First World War. Today, as ever, we will commemorate that day and remember the fallen with two-minute silence at 11 o'clock this morning. The sacrifices made by those brave men and all of our military personnel are brought to the fore at this time of year. Poppies are worn, wreaths are laid and parades are organised, but we should really remember them all year round, shouldn't we? And this morning... I I would welcome your stories from those times. Tales from your parents or from your grandparents, from your uncles, from your aunties about what they went through, the things they witnessed and the hardships they endured. We will be pensive this morning, but we would also be hopeful that our political leaders are finally recognising that things must improve for our armed forces personnel. Labour's Jeremy Corbyn is offering to improve conditions for serving soldiers and their families, while Boris Johnson is calling for an end to the prosecution of veterans of the conflict in Northern Ireland. Will these be more broken campaign promises, or will the veterans of this country and the serving uh, people in the armed forces as well uh, finally be treated with the respect that they deserve? Will be finding out and we want to hear from you as well of course 0344 499 coming up later on we'll be looking at the political landscape in spain where the right-wing vox party won more than double the amount of seats in the election of the weekend and we'll be asking why <clears throat> more than half of students today favor censorship and no platforming of speakers with whom they don't agree and we'll be asking why half of Britons admit uh, to being unusually shy, which is quite an unusual statistic as well. 0344 499 1000. We'll also bring you all the latest news from the campaign trail. Uh, there's lots going on today after uh, the armistice commemorations at 11 o'clock. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back.
back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 1000. Uh, got lots of you ringing in with war stories that you can tell us uh, that your parents or your grandparents or your uncles uh, or your aunties have told you, uh, or even some that you have experienced yourself from serving in the military. It is Armistice Day. We will be having two minutes silence at 11 o'clock. We are, of course, also in the midst of an election campaign here in the UK. So for the moment, uh, this morning at least, the uh, politicians have kind of put down their weapons, as you, as you would say, uh, and will continue the campaigning after uh, the 11 o'clock commemoration ceremonies that are going to take place up and down the country, basically. But we'll be listening in uh, to what's going on in London, of course. Right now, though, we're going to talk about another election which took place over the weekend in Spain. Simon Hunter uh, joins us. He's editor of the English version of El País, uh, which is, of course, the Spanish national newspaper. He's in Madrid. Uh, last night, a couple of things happened. The Vox Party, which is the uh, very right-wing popular party, um, sorry, uh, right-wing populist party, I should say, uh, got themselves more than double the number of seats that they had before. They previously had 24. They've now got 52. The Socialists lost three seats and are still the main party in Parliament, but without enough of a majority to actually form a government. Let's find out what it all means uh, with Simon. Simon, a very good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? Yeah, very well, thanks for joining. It's very volatile, this particular period of uh, Spanish politics, and I know that uh, we say that without very much right to say it, given the volatility that's going on uh, here in Westminster, but uh, they haven't been able to form a proper government, I'm told, since about 2015. No, absolutely. No, they keep saying they, they say that you know you should you should live live in interesting times. But I've actually had enough of interesting times. <laughs> I mean, this is the fourth uh, general election we've had in four years uh, in Spain. It's once again been inconclusive. This general election was completely unnecessary. And um, the Socialist Party leader, the caretaker Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez, he could have formed the government months ago if him and the leftist party, uh, Unidas Podemos, uh, Podemos is an anti-austerity party, if they could have come to some kind of agreement. But these talks, they went on all, all through the summer, from April all through the summer. They went right down to the wire and they just could not sort it out. So I just don't know why Sanchez didn't predict that this was going to happen. Well, Catalonia, as always, has been a major factor here. Mm. We all knew that we were going to get this Supreme Court ruling on the pro-independence leaders who led the um, independence challenge back in 2017. We all knew that that ruling was going to come out around September, October. We all knew that the independence leaders were probably going to go to jail, which is exactly how it turned out. And what's happened is that Vox has managed to um, capitalise on that. Vox has a very, very strong anti-nationalist, not just Catalan nationalist, but nationalist party uh, line, um, you know, in, within Spanish politics. Uh, and that, uh, given the disturbances, we had peaceful protests in Catalonia, but we also had violent mm. protests. And given those disturbances, their message really has obviously landed with uh, the uh, Spanish electorate. And we've now got this pretty extraordinary situation where from nowhere, I mean, they were nowhere a year ago, and now they're the third biggest party in Spanish Congress. Yes, and they've got more seats than Podernos and, and Citizens put together, whose leader, I understand, has just quit as well. Exactly, yeah. Albert Rivera uh, has had a disastrous election. I mean, he's gone down from, I think it's 47 seats to 10. Yeah. Uh, he's just quit. And of course, what this does is, I mean, if you, you consider that the, the Spanish politicians couldn't sort out a governing deal when the uh, the arithmetic was in their favour, well, now what's happened is it's even more complicated. There's really sort of no massively clear way out here, apart maybe apart from 
a grand coalition of the socialists and the conservative party but that is the equivalent of labor and the tories yeah. doing a deal i mean it's it's very very unlikely that that would happen um and of course now what's going to happen is that vox is going to have a lot of sway over the conservative um, popular party they've already done deals in other parts of spain governing deals the popular party citizens and vox and vox i mean vox has got you know vox's policies in basically you know to boil them down it is you know blaming immigrants for all of spain's ills uh, marriage is only for men uh, a man and a woman homosexuals shouldn't adopt gender violence doesn't exist they don't believe in domestic violence as it's defined uh, in a lot of spanish laws media outlets including my own can be vetoed from attending their public events uh, abortion should not be freely available, etc., etc. Uh, and in certain areas of Spain, regions and local councils, they've managed to do deals. But of course, on the condition that there are nods to the, some of their more, you know, hardline policies. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what influence Vox has yeah. on the Conservative Popular Party, which had actually moved a bit away from the right after they had such a bad result of the elections when they were trying to sort of ape Vox. And where have all these Vox votes come from? I mean, were they previously voting for other parties or are they new voters? Are they people who have suddenly been galvanised into being uh, part of the democratic process because of Catalonia? Well, you can see where they've come from. They've come from the centre ground, basically. I mean, look at the, the collapse in the support for um, for citizens. Mm. Um, that's where they've picked up the votes. So an interesting thing happened at the election debate. We had a just one televised election debate between the five candidates for prime minister. Uh, and of course, that included Vox because it now has, a, for the first time, because it has uh, the sufficient uh, presence in Congress to have appeared. And pretty much the it, it was as if they, they the other the other candidates just didn't want to get into any kind of debate with Vox. Um, their leader, Santiago Oscar, was pretty much left to just, um, you know, uh, to, to espouse his policies, to cite a lot of statistics and a lot of um, ideas which are quite frankly false, uh, based on uh, false ideas such as, you know, most gang rapes, for example, being um, uh, the culprits being um, uh, immigrants, which is, is, is patently false. And because they just, it was like they just didn't want to touch Vox, so they just didn't get involved. And so, uh, you know, Santiago Abascal, Santiago Abascal was coming out with all these arguments and was just not being challenged at all. So it actually did him a massive favour. The, the, the general consensus was that the big winner from that debate was Santiago, uh, Santiago Abascal. And as you said, I mean, these are populist, you know, the these are populist uh, messages, populist policies that, you know, things like, oh, you know, we haven't got money to pay for pensions, but we're giving subsidy, subsidies to, you know, immigrants from North Africa with five children and things like that. I mean, that is literally the kind of um, um, discourse that they're coming out with. And right. it, uh, it just seems to have landed within the, within the uh, Spanish electorate. And a lot of the politicians there are saying things like, um, you know, Catalonia is the issue and until it's resolved, there will not be a government properly in, in Spain, a little bit like Brexit in, in this country. Absolutely, yeah, and and just to, you know to give you a, another example, I, I mean you know we all know, we all know that the only way that the Catalan situation is going to get resolved is with dialogue, and that dialogue has not been a forthcoming over recent years, particularly um, when we had the uh, the Popular Party uh, in power, the Conservative Popular Party. Um, but uh, just to give you an idea, you know Vox is now. Vox has actually suggested outlawing parties that support 
you know, um, Catalan independence, for example, which is just, just seems to be, you know, that thing that's, you know, just pouring gasoline onto the fire. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And just completely pouring gasoline on the fire. We've actually got Catalan protesters at the moment this morning have cut off the road uh, that connects um, France and Catalonia because, it, it, you know, as part of the ongoing protests mm. against the uh, against the um, against the sentence uh, from the Supreme yes. Court. Well, so I was going to say, I mean, go you can't imagine the, the, the demonstrations stopping. If anything, they're going to get worse now, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. I would like to point out as well, though, very interesting, I think this often gets ignored, that it was interesting to see that in Catalonia, the votes for uh, the elections yesterday, the votes for pro-independence parties and anti-independence parties, again, ended up pretty much 50-50. I really? mean, the, the, it's worth pointing, yeah, it's worth pointing out that the pro-independence movement, although it's got massive support among its supporters yeah. who are willing to go out on the street and demonstrate and, as we saw, demonstrate violently, well, you know, it's not, it's never had a majority and it still doesn't have a majority and we saw that again yesterday. And interesting that the European Union kind of takes a back seat in these matters when, you know, when it feels like it, it doesn't take a back seat, but it seems to not be very willing to get involved in all of this. No, absolutely. Well, well, because it's just such a hot potato. I mean, because, you know, any any country that's got, uh, you know, a a section that's trying to um, achieve independence, you know, obviously the the, the European Union can't get involved because then that would give um, ammunition to, you know, that that, another country, basically. So, you know, if they were to back Catalan independence, then the Scots... Do you, do you see what I mean? This is, this kind oh, of, of course, uh, yeah. But it doesn't stop Guy Verhofstadt popping across to, uh, to, to, to occasionally canvas for certain parties here in European elections, but that's another matter, I suppose. We don't want to go there. No, absolutely no. But, um, but like you said, the Catalan issue is not going to go away any soon and it really needs to um, find some kind of solution. Absolutely. Simon, thank you very much indeed for taking the time to talk to us. Simon Hunter there, uh, editor of the English version of El Pais, telling us about the mess uh, that the Spanish government has found itself in. Uh, they haven't had a decent uh, government since 2015. They haven't been able to do it, quite frankly. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. We are Keep those stories coming, please. 0344 499 1000. It is Armistice Day. We, <clears throat> we are still commemorating it, although we have now passed the two-minute silence at 11 o'clock. Normal service is now going to resume, of course, on the political campaign trail uh, because we're going to see uh, Boris Johnson uh, going off and making a speech somewhere. We'll see Jeremy Corbyn doing the same. Uh, we'll probably see Joe Swinson uh, out and about. We'll see, uh, obviously, Nicholas Sturgeon as well. Maybe Caroline Lucas, uh, even, if she's not flying to see her uh, son in America, which she probably won't be doing today. Uh, let's talk to Joe Twyman, because we are, of course, now only about a month away from the election, uh, December the 12th. We are your election station. Let's find out from Joe, who's founder of Delta Poll, what the polls have been saying over the weekend. Joe, very good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. Now, I saw a couple of different sort of polls, some of which were uh, sort of coagulations of several other polls, and it looks pretty much as though um, the Tory lead is holding reasonably firm at the moment, isn't it? 
Uh, yeah, that's right. If you had to draw a conclusion from the polls that we saw at the weekend, it's that the polling for the first week of the campaigning, at least, has remained largely unchanged. The Conservatives and Labour are pretty much where they were previously. Lib Dems are up a bit. But the interesting thing is the Brexit Party, who have fallen back uh, mm. a fair bit. And their votes seem to be distributed among the other parties. So it means that uh, no one party has particularly gained from, uh, from that. So it looks as though perhaps since the announcement by Nigel Farage that this deal is no good and that the Tories should drop it uh, in order to um, uh, in order to sort of do a deal with the Brexit party, it looks as though that's possibly backfired on Nigel. Uh, yeah, well, we've talked uh, for some time about whether people thought the deal was good or not, and uh, and actually uh, the part of the country is pretty much divided over it. But among Brexit party supporters, uh, a uh, a a plurality, sorry, I was about to say majority, it's not quite that, a plurality, do support it. So, mm. uh, so more support it than oppose it. And if that, is the, if that continues to be the situation, if Nigel Farage's claim that this is not real Brexit, etc., etc., and it's not a good deal, if that doesn't resonate with the voters of the Brexit party, then it's perhaps not a surprise that, uh, that we're starting to see movements to other parties as national issues and general issues come into play. And one of the things we also saw last week was this Remain alliance between the likes of the Lib Dems and Plaid Cymru um, and the Green Party as well. Is that uh, kind of coming through in any polling yet? Uh, not yet. I think, it's too, I think it's too early to see that. And I don't think we'll see a massive impact on things at a national level. It will probably only change things at a constituency level. I imagine that it won't yet be clear to people in, in uh, seats where that's happening uh, that it will actually be the, uh, be the case. But even with the, with the Greens, for instance, they only got 10% of the vote in, in f or more in four constituencies last time around. So their input is, uh, is going to be relatively minor, I imagine. And then Plaid Cymru, obviously, uh, uh, restricted simply to Wales. And so, uh, and so their impact nationally is small as well. But there's no doubt that it could have, uh, could have an impact in terms of the momentum that it gains for that, uh, for that cause and for those parties. Yeah, certainly, I'm, I'm, from what I've seen of the information of the places where they are going to do it, um, apparently some people have worked out that actually, even if you'd combined all of the votes for the so-called Remain parties uh, in the last election, they would not have won any of those seats anyway. Yeah, and, and there's, there's, no, uh, there's no doubt they need to overperform. And, yes, combining forces is one, uh, is one move towards overperformance, but it's by no means guaranteed that they could get up to those numbers. And, crucially, this Remain alliance does not include Labour. And Labour are, regardless of whether they're specifically, um, specifically campaigning for a referendum or something else, they are not a full Brexit party. And so if you have historical ties to Labour, if you identify with them, if you voted for them in the past, then I think it's more likely, at least at the moment, that you'll probably opt for them in certain circumstances rather than, uh, rather than the Lib Dem alliance. Yes, indeed. And also a couple of interesting things I saw at the weekend which referred to several kind of marginal constituencies which would basically go completely the other way, either Labour to Tory or Tory to Labour, if there was only as much as a 2 or 3% swing. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. It doesn't take uh, it doesn't take a lot in terms of an individual constituency swing for sort of a dozen or more uh, seats to uh, seats to move. Uh, but that tends to be the the gains are greater in Remain leaning Conservative constituencies uh -huh. than they are in la uh, Leave leaning Labour constituencies. And so uh, uh, and so that could produce interesting uh, interesting results if, and I do stress if because we don't know, if the swing moves differently depending on Brexit. Because, of course, normally 
you'd expect it to move all in the same direction with the with the big swingometer on uh, on election night. But we might not see that in every constituency this time around. No, quite. And we were talking earlier today about the kind of length of the of the campaign because uh, we just had the elections in Spain, which had a much shorter uh, period of time to campaign, just about a week or so. Some people already wishing that that was the case here. Um, but but it came up that very few voters actually changed their minds that much during the course of a campaign. But this one might be a bit different, I suppose. Well, generally speaking, campaigns don't make that much difference. But, of course, 2017 was the exception that very much proved that rule. Mm. And we saw how much, there was, uh, how much there was change then. But even then, that change took place relatively late on, after the release of the manifestos. And for many people, although, yes, they're campaigning at the moment, these kind of publicity, uh, publicity shots that are, that are taking place up and down the country are much the same as people would expect uh, during normal times, particularly, I mean, since Boris Johnson has been in Downing Street, he's mm. effectively been in campaigning mode. So really, for a lot of people, the election doesn't really start until the manifestos come out, and, uh, and that's not yet. No, quite. I think we're seeing some of those possibly towards the end of this week, but, uh, but we shall see. There's still some candidates to be chosen as well, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, this, took, uh, <laughs> this took a lot of people, uh, people by surprise, not least individual constituencies and uh, and i'm not quite sure when the deadline for candidates is but it's not for uh, not for a while yet and mm. so it may be that the individual candidate in a particular constituency if they remain or if they leave uh, could have an impact on uh, impact on the result and so it really is very very early days and that's perhaps helps explains why we haven't seen much movement in the polls no quite Great stuff, Joe. Thank you very much indeed. Joe Twyman, former of Delta, founder of Delta Poll, I should say, uh, with the news that not very often do campaigns during election periods actually change the way people vote. However, uh, as I was saying, there's a lot of very marginal constituencies here uh, in the UK which will move from one to the other, from Labour to Tory or Tory to Labour, uh, given uh, a, just about a 2 or 3% swing, uh, which is not that much, it has to be said. So all terribly, terribly complicated, of course. We will be bringing you it all as it happens right here because we are your election station uh, we'll be bringing the results throughout the night here at talk radio the night of december the 12th going into friday the 13th by which point we should have a new government we'll take more of your calls and we'll be talking about christmas coming up next is it too soon oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand this is talk radio ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. 
Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, can I just distance myself from this? Because I happen to think that uh, it is too early. I saw some Christmas decorations up in Bond Street the other day. They haven't lit them yet, but they're still up. It's too early, right? Too early for Christmas advertising, which is going on at the moment as well. Uh, and it's way too early to be playing uh, Roy Wood and Wizard from I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day. Instead, we're going to talk to Pete McNichol, co-founder and director of York Gin, uh, because uh, he's got a shop in the historic city of York, a wonderful part of the world, uh, and he's banned cheesy Christmas hits, so he's a man after my own heart. Pete, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Morning, Mike. Well played indeed, I think, is the first thing I should say to you, because there's nothing worse than shops playing Christmas songs, one, too early, but also the songs that are just really, really cheesy. Well, thank you very much indeed. Yes, we, uh, we're in wholehearted agreement with that statement. Um, not not wanting to sound as though we are grumpy up here in the north, <laughs> but you are right. Because um, the, the, the second week in November really doesn't have any place for uh, the likes of Mr Wood et al. No, he really doesn't. But the trouble for me is that how can you manage to find any Christmas songs that aren't cheesy? Because not many of them. Well, we've got a fairly comprehensive list, and we are, in fact, about to um, release one via Spotify and such, so that um, perhaps some of your listeners might be able to oh, really? um, have a link in. All right. Um, yeah, actually, my, my partner, who deals with most of the marketing, she's actually on holiday today, so I've, uh, I've got sort of landed with this one. And, uh, <laughs> Stepped I'm not into the, the breach. Knowledgeable folk. Well, at least we're not giving you a hard time, you know, so you mean, you know, she, you know, she's missed a massive opportunity to big up herself, and you, you now, you now <laughs> will be the, the media specialist that you're... York Gin. Tell us a bit about York Gin, because I've seen the shop front. It looks lovely. Yeah, so we're currently located um, at a building uh, in the heart of York, just at the end of the shambles. It's oh, yeah. called Pavement, and it's, uh, it's a Grade 1 listed building. It's called Sir Thomas Herbert House. Part of it was built in the late 1500s, and the remaining frontage part built in the early 1600s. Uh, it's currently undergoing a, a significant... Uh, restoration project mm. um, that we're hopefully doing in partnership here in York with the York Conservation Trust who have 70 or 80 properties. Um, and it's one of those wonderful Tudor properties which, which I mean, tourists love them because they, they look as if they're kind of slightly um, saggy, if you know what I mean, in, in, in a good way. You know, they're sort of, they're slightly unusually shaped. Yeah, the, the frontage of it is uh, is very well known actually in York and um, probably probably nationally. Yes. Um, it's got a significant bow in the front of it, as you can tell, and that was caused um, in the early 1900s by um, pavement suddenly becoming accessible to buses and lorries and such. Yes. So that's that's what's caused the, 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 the bow in the front of the oh, okay. there. And, and your shop sells basically just gin then, does it? Yeah, essentially. We've got a, a range of five gins in our core uh, core range, and we do lots of little gifts as well. We've currently got some candles on, key rings, okay. bridge magnets, that sort of thing. We do bottle openers. Yeah, just general uh, gen general gifts. Nice. And is it, gen is it gin that you guys make, or is it locally made, or what? It is, yeah. So we make it about two and a half, three miles down the road, just on the outskirts of York, at a little village called Acaster Malden. OK. Because there's a lot of gin-making going on now, isn't it? I mean, it's become a real sort of connoisseur's drink. I mean, everywhere I go now in London, you can't just ask for a gin and tonic. You have to oh, tell sure. them exactly yeah. what kind of gin you want and what sort of flavoured gin you want, and it's great. Sure, yeah, that, that's right. I mean, it's, it's probably akin to the 
resurgence in rail ale that happened yes. 10 or 15 years ago, um, where a lot of the larger breweries you know, became less interested in it, um, withdrew from mm. the market, and that then created a, a void for smaller companies sure. to, to manufacture much more locally based artisan products and, and are, are you doing a, been a big resurgence in, in in gin yeah and are you doing a, a, a christmas gin by any chance we're not at the moment no we've uh, we've had a busy year we've um we, we've we've just sort of run out of time to develop any more brands this year uh, uh, but there's a possibility we could do something for next year i suppose you could package it up as a christmasy kind of package couldn't you but i mean we, not if you don't like christmas obviously <laughs> well, it's not, it's not that we don't, um, but yeah, we, we do have plenty of gifts available for for, for Christmas if people are, okay. uh, are interested. And we've got the wonderful Make It York St Nicholas Fair starting in York on Thursday, and okay. so we'll have a stall there with uh, with a few of the local companies. And when do they put the Christmas lights up in York? Because I was say I was in Bond yeah. Street the other day, and the, the Christmas lights are already up, but they haven't actually yeah, illuminated them yet. That's this week. That's on Thursday. So, so the market and the light switch on a tide into the same uh, same. See, day. I think so, that's yeah, too early, Thursday don't you? Politics. Do you not think it's too early? Well, the, the St Nicholas Fair in York started probably about twenty, twenty-five years ago. Or so, and it was just one weekend at the end of November, but right. it proved so popular that um, it seems to get longer every mm. year. Okay. And what's your least favourite Christmas song? Would you say that you're certainly not going to play? Oh, um, oof, crikey. Let me have a little think. Right, Kerry. <laughs> that was mentioned by one of my colleagues, actually, was Mariah. I think she's been singled out for some particularly impressive. <laughs> well, I think it's because she's now doing an ad crisps advert, which is probably not going to be helping her. The thing that I was surprised about was that she's doing the same company that Gary Lineker is in, and, he, yeah. and he's not in the video. I, I haven't seen the advert, but I've uh, I've heard just this morning that apparently she was on it. And I think that was probably yeah. linked to one of my one of my colleagues <laughs> undermining the quality I mean, of the I mean, music. Yes, I mean for me, I don't yeah. know whether her acting is is uh, is any better or not. Well, I wouldn't like to comment about that, but I mean, what I would say is that one of my favourite things to hear around about Christmas time is the classical kind of Christmas stuff, like the choral stuff, like the, the you know, um, the choirs from Cambridge University or whatever. Um, that, or the... That's exactly what we're looking to put on in the shop. We've got some decent traditional stuff, you know, some of the things like Vivaldi, uh, yes. Four Seasons, but obviously the winter version. Um, we'll be playing some traditional carols, and we also quite like our our stuff like Frank Sinatra and Big and Eartha Kitt and those sort, those sort of folk, you know, who wrote some absolutely fantastic stuff in the 50s. Yeah. 50s. Well, listen, it's going to be a haven of good taste, is what I can say about York Gin. It's going to be tremendous when you're staggering about shopping for your Christmas presents. It'll be the one, place, be the one place to go for a bit of solace and, and you know, decency. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. Not at all. Very good to talk to you. Pete McNichol, co-founder and director of York Gin. If you happen to be in York... Uh, I would go and look him up. It looks a fabulous building they're in. It's an old Tudor building, which is kind of leaning out into the street. And they sell gin. What more could you want? Uh, 03444991000. And they don't want to play any cheesy Christmas songs. I don't want to hear any Christmas songs between now, basically, and about the week before Christmas. I really don't want to hear any. Uh, I can see there's some evil being plotted behind the glass, but I just don't want to hear them. It's too early. Still November. In this country, you know, we don't celebrate Christmas as early as November, the second week of November. We just shouldn't do it. Let's talk to Susie, uh, who's called in from Kent. Hello, Susie. Hello, Mike. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. Yeah, very thank good. you very much for calling. You've got a war story for us. Yes, I do. Um, my family's had military connections right through. My uh, maternal 
granddad um, was Royal Marines. My paternal granddad was Royal Navy. Okay. Well, my dad had three older brothers when the um, Second World War was on. They all signed up. Um, the first son was killed in action um, in the Royal Navy. Then about, I mean, he was 20, 21. And then the second son, less than a year later, went down on HMS Hood. Mm. And then the third son, um, not much later than that, all, the, all these um, boys were under 22 years old. Um, he was a rear gunner with the RAF, and right. he'd been in action, and he was granted Christmas leave, and there was great excitement in the family because mm. he was coming home for Christmas, and he was going to announce his engagement to this um, lady in, from London that his family hadn't met. So the plan was he was going to meet her at Charing Cross, and then they were going to get the train down to Kent, um, celebrate Christmas, meet the family, meet the new you know, proposed mm. wife. Um, anyway, he was flying back and his plane got shot down over Lenham in Kent. Oh, so he never, just a few days before Christmas. Um, and my grandma, who that was the third son in just over a year, beside herself obviously with grief, but insisted on taking the train up to London herself to meet this poor woman who obviously had no idea um, because there wasn't time to, um, they, they didn't really have any details. But all they knew that was the son was meeting her at a certain time at Charing Cross. So she went up herself to meet this poor woman and, and break the news. You know, I mean, it's it's a suffering. It's that heartbreaking, family, isn't it? Absolutely heartbreaking. So after that, my dad, who was too young, he went down. He was adamant that he wanted to sign up. Mm. So he went down. Signed up, and then somebody tipped my granddad off, you know, saying so he, they knew the family, you know. So yeah. my granddad put a stop to it and said, look, he's not going anyway. We've lost three sons. I've got, you know, land that I farm because you were exempt as well if you had, you know, you were growing food stocks mm. and what have you. Yes. So he said he'll be doing the war effort, helping out on the farm, which obviously my dad was disgusted at but had no say. And uh, anyway, when my dad got to 16, he was able to join the Home Guard. Right. So it sort of gave him a little bit of thinking, oh, I'm doing a little bit for the war effort. And but you can, imagine, you can imagine why his dad didn't want him to go, though, exactly. after all that. Exactly. They'd lost three sons, just couldn't bear, you know, yeah. to, to possibly Goodness lose me. another. So, yeah, it was all done for his own good and for the family's good, obviously. But, you know, I guess when you're young, you think, well, my, my brothers have had a go, I want to, whatever you. But anyway, he joined the Home Guard. And on this one particular morning, they were, they were told that they needed to patrol the railway line, which ran down into Dover. Mm. Um, because, you know, to see if there were any, anything suspicious, something had been spotted in the area. They didn't have full details, but they were just given this brief. Whether it's true or not, don't know. But anyway, so they're walking along the railway line. They come to a railway tunnel, and just at the other end, they saw something move. So they all let back, you know, behind the uh, tunnel entrance. And it's like five minutes of, oh, well, you should go. What do we do? What do we do? You know, you go, you go. And then somebody turned around and said to this guy, you have to go. You're the only one who's got a gun because all the rest had like rakes and hose and right. <laughs> sticks and right. what have you. So uh, he turned around and he said, well, I might have the gun. He said, but they've told me I won't get any ammunition till next month. <laughs> so it <laughs> was a typical gracious. home guard situation. Right. So anyway, they um, finally um, all decided to walk through the tunnel en masse, you know, right. got to the other end and it was just a goat grazing. You know? Thank <laughs> goodness for that. Yeah. What a story. Yeah. 
Blimey, thank you, Susie. What a fantastic story. What a terribly sad story as well. Three siblings from the same family losing their lives in the war. I'm sure that's a story that many people have, and it's just awful, isn't it? Just horrendous. More gun talk from a water pistol from the Farmer of Fury. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Don't look back into the sun Now you know that the time has come and they said it would never come for you, oh, 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 oh. oh, my friends, you haven't changed. You're looking rough and living strange, and I know you got This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 Darren says, Mike, well, Jolian Moron now rushed to the Supreme Court ordering Farage to stand in all seats. <laughs> I don't think so. I haven't heard much from the old legal department uh, lately, but let's go back to the phones because uh, we haven't got a lot of time. Matthew Wright's coming up at one o'clock. Craig is in Oxford. Hello, Craig. Afternoon, Mike. Afternoon. How are you doing? Uh, well, it was better until Nigel came out with his announcement, if I'm being brutally honest. OK, uh, why is that then? Put an end, it's kind of put an end to the election for me. Um, they're not going to stand in any seat that Conservatives currently have. Unfortunately, I live in one of those areas. Um, and I will not vote for a, a Remain supporting Conservative, even if they do currently, under the during the election campaign, claim to be in favour of Brexit or supporting it. Well, I mean, they're, they're, the they're, they're sl like their it. slogan is get Brexit done, isn't it? And obviously uh, Nigel Farage, I think, has taken a view that this is the best way to get that to happen. Uh, he's also a view that what the Conservatives are offering isn't Brexit. And so... Well, know, he must have, well, he must have changed his mind, though, no? Surely he must have changed his mind. Or, or realise that he's fighting, he feels he's fighting a losing battle. But maybe something's happened behind the scenes. Maybe there's been talks with the um, ERG and, and... Well, as I said before, I, th I think it makes more sense for the Brexit party to win a couple of seats, as many as they can, um, and then talk to the Tories after the election, you know, rather than trying to do a deal well, beforehand. Well, how many of those Tories that are going up for re-election have stood in the way of voting against Brexit during the last... Parliament yeah, but that's all over now. You can't be thinking that way. That's not where we are, because it's where we are and where we go, uh, which is what is important to people who want to leave the European Union. There was no point in going back over what went on in the last three years. Well, there is if these same people can get re-elected and do the same thing in the next Parliament. Well, no, because you, what you already know is that the, break, the, the deal that Boris Johnson had brought back from Brussels was already going to be approved in Parliament, pretty much. It got the second reading. It didn't get to the amendment phase, and I think they're hoping that they can get a majority so that they can squash any of these amendments that they're trying to introduce. Yeah, but you sound to me, uh, Craig, that you just want to to leave the European Union without a deal, and other and any other I, I wanna, and, and any other method of leaving is not acceptable to you. I want to leave and get a decent fair trade deal, and I don't think the, the Conservatives are going to deliver on that. Well, uh, you are entitled to that thought, but it may well be that Nigel Farage now disagrees with you. So, for the greater good of leaving and for being a Brexit uh, supporter, that's what he's done. Um, possibly, I guess. Only time will tell. Yeah, um, I guess so. But, I mean, in the end, you can't. You, in the, I mean, in the end, you can't disagree with everybody and find yourself standing on a little island. I mean, you can. Because it's the democracy. But, you know, that's not going to work, I don't think. But thanks for your call. Let's talk to Harry, uh, who's in Portsmouth. Hello, Harry. Oh, yes, hello. I'm with the last caller, but that's for another day, any discussion on that. OK. Basically, you have to maintain radio and TV presence in all regions. 
If you stand in a seat with a 20,000 Tory majority, you'll be on that stage with a 1,000 votes at the end of the election, but you'll have got radio and TV coverage in that area. Well, certainly that Alex, well, Alec, well, Alex Phillips was here just last week saying one of the reasons why the Brexit party wants to stand in so many seats is because it will get equal treatment with the main parties. Now, I don't know what the uh, threshold is for that, but they're still going to they're still going to put up about three hundred plus candidates. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of candidates. They're not a small party. No, right. Um, you were talking about these cheesy Christmas songs. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't want you to include part, you know Christmas party bangers because I know there could be a danger of you going a, a bit too wide on that cheesiness. <laughs> Are you worried about fireworks? Is that what you're trying to get at, Harry? Uh, no, no, because uh, my, my bet noir the last 20 years, I may have seen Tony Blair wearing one. It's Christmas jumpers. Oh, yeah, I hate they them. Are the, I hate them. They're the ultimate fast fashion. Yeah. I don't think anybody wears them for more than a day. And when you've eaten a, a, a hot meal three times what your normal size of what you normally eat, I don't think people can wear a jumper anymore with central heating. Well, I just don't like the look of any jumper that has been designed as a Christmas jumper. Why would you wear a Christmas jumper? I mean, what's so special about Christmas? You might as well wear, you know, an Easter jumper. Why don't you wear an Easter jumper at the same time? Hey? Any Anyway, if you could stitch my jumper campaign in with your cheesy song campaign, I will do that, great. yeah. Yeah, I will absolutely um, do that. I've got another thing. Oh, army. What in my uh, in my manifesto, I'd let the army who are based at Salisbury Plain now a lot. Uh, to fly home on leave from Boscombe Down Airfield, which is their one side of the th A303. Boscombe Down is the other side of the 303. That runway needs to be used so our valuable troops can be flown home. You could use... Um, they travel at off-peak times, the troops do. Yes. You could use planes from Southampton Airport to drop in on Boscombe and they could fly them back to Edinburgh, back to Liverpool, back to Manchester, that type of thing. That is something that... Never just mind this um, veterans rail card. You need to get the serving troops home on leave pronto. Mm. No, I couldn't agree more with that, Harry. Thank you very much indeed. Harry in Portsmouth there with quite a few things uh, that he had to say. Uh, banning Christmas jumpers is not a bad idea at all. You know me. I mean, I don't generally like banning things. But, I mean, if, if somebody turns up in the office with one of those ridiculous jumpers on with a reindeer on it or, you know, a Christmas tree... You just think, yeah, what a wally. What, why are you even wearing that? What is going on? Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. It's Friday, it's 12.33, it's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. Now, you might have detected a subtle change in the music this week because uh, I'm very happy to say that uh, Con is not here. Uh, and so, Marta, uh, Hello. our friend from Spain... Our friend from Spain. <laughs> ..who is not actually Spanish because she's Catalan, yeah. uh, is here to do the periods. Very good afternoon. Very good afternoon to you. Say welcome. I knew you'd notice different music. Yes. Because I thought... Slightly, it, subtly changed. It's my week, so I'm going to get... Yeah. I'm going to play a new song. Yeah. There you go. Good afternoon and welcome to the Perrier Awards. This is where we look back at the week of the so-called so Independent cool. Republic of My Graham on Talk Radio and choose our favourite moments. As you've mentioned, mm. rightly, um, you will have noticed the absence of part-time producer Cornelius <laughs> Mendes. Well, I've got an announcement to make. Okay. I've got to say that um, after... Um, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. After the overwhelming success 
of last week's Beckenham fireworks display, yes. Cornelius has been booked to go on a UK tour hosting a series of daytime firework displays that kicks off in Southampton today. So oh, good yes. luck and congratulations. Excellent. I wondered why he was so anti-me doing all those anti-firework stories. I'd forgotten that he was the MC of the Beckenham firework display. Exactly. So there's a conflict of interest Absolutely there. Absolutely right. You should declare that. Well, he should, yeah. Mm. That's why he's been taking off the show. Quite for, right, For too. a little bit. Anyway, let's uh, get to the periods. As it's it. tradition, the first period goes to you, Mike. Thank this you. week, we begin with the secret of the week. Adam says, Farage has made a fatal tactical error. The risk now is a Corbyn government that will cancel breakfast... Breakfast? Breakfast? Brexit before moving on to other wrecking policies. There's a reason I said breakfast, but I'm not going to tell you what it was. Well... I'm intrigued. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> what day was that? I thought that might be the case. Yes. Was that Monday? I think it was Monday, yeah. I think yeah. it was Monday, yeah. Well, you see, you should have asked me then and I could have told you, but now I can't remember. Well... My memory doesn't go back as far as that. See, it's it, as I've rightly said, it's the secret of the week. It is. I'll try and remember what it was and tell you. OK, good. Um, moving on, uh, Alexandra Phillips is Brexit Party MEP. She popped in for a chat about breakfast, I mean Brexit, <laughs> and she won the Perry for Analogy of the Week. My little analogy, which um, my dear friend Nigel has stolen from me and is using it liberally, is um, rather like a piece of cheese kept out of the fridge for too long. After a while, when this thing's given some daylight, it's going to start to honk. Some French cheese honks even when they give it to you at the beginning, though. So, you know, maybe you just pretend it's French. <laughs> did you get the analogy? I did get it, yeah. I did. But I also that... wanted to point out that you can buy some cheese which honks the moment you buy it. And actually, some yeah. people quite like that. I like that, actually. Yeah. I camembert, like particularly. Oh, yeah. I, I love mean, a camembert. You know, I was... Baked camembert. I was, um, I was once um, asked to leave a, a bus because I was carrying a camembert <laughs> in my my father used to have it, it in his, used to carry it in his pocket sometimes when he went to work on the Metropolitan Line. You can imagine in Russia that was not popular. Well, yeah, people don't like that. I was literally, I was asked to leave a bus, like, can you please leave? So I had to get um, get off the bus and wait for the next one because I had to come it anyway. Brilliant. Um, newsreader Rachel Dior wins the Saint of the Week Perrier Award for having to put up with introductions like this one. On the station that's going to the country, Talk Radio. Coming up, it's time for the news headlines. Here's, um, um, who is it? Rachel Jewell. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. It's terrible when that happens, but you know what? I can't ever apologise enough when it does happen because it's not because I can't remember the person's name no. because I don't care about them. It's no. literally that you kind of, your sometimes mind just goes blank. Yeah, I just think because you do it six times a day. Yeah. Sometimes you just come back from a break and you may be thinking about the next mm. item or something and you just I think, forget. I think what I'd forgotten was that we were actually just about to do the news because I think the guest had been brought in yes. and was sitting here. So I assumed in my head that therefore it wasn't news time because normally there isn't a guest sitting there. Correct. It's already getting ridiculous, the explanation. But you know what it it's is? It's all very complicated. Yeah. I mean, I did it once to Toby Gillies when he was sitting opposite me and I said, <laughs> and now it's time for the news with... And I looked at him and I just went, what's your name? And you've known him for years. Yeah. <laughs> And he went, it's Toby, Mike. And I went, right, sorry. OK, what's my name? <laughs> uh, Marta. Very well, very well. well but done. I don't say that very often, you see. Whereas if no, I said don't. it every day, I'd probably forget it. You'd probably forget you'll call me yeah. Cornelius or something. Something like that. Yeah. Well, well not Cornelius, yeah, no. not that. Anyway, from the worst introduction of the week to the most interesting introduction of the week. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, the land of common sense, uh, as Adam has just said. Uh, I think he's got it round his ears a little bit, but uh, never mind. Uh, he will learn. 0344 499 1000. It is time, uh, of course, to welcome uh, the uh, delicious LaDonna Harvey. <laughs> There's another problem, you see. You've got to introduce all these people, sometimes using the wrong adjective. Yes. 
I don't think I meant to say delicious. I don't. I don't think. I mean, when I think of delicious as a word, right? Yeah. I think of cake. Yes. I think of cheese. Uh huh. I think of uh, pancakes. You don't think of Ladonna Harvey? I don't think of. I don't think of people. Okay. But you I can't don't know. describe people as delicious. I mean, it's a nice. It's a compliment. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that in the control room, we all thought, "Oh, what?" Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the word I would have wanted to choose. Yeah. But again, I can only apologise for uh, the number of words that I have to utter over the course of time. Which is too Quite many. Quite a lot. Too I mean, many. it's like, it's like re- sort of reading War and Peace yes. every day. That's okay. We'll get you for next Thank week. You. We'll get you a series of words uh, approved by management <laughs> to describe LaDonna Harvey. Uh, from LaDonna Harvey to John Burko, because he stood down as speaker earlier this week. Some people are happy about it, and for balance, we'll also say that some people are not happy about it. Talk Radio's most balanced news editor, and the only one we've got for that matter, came in to tell us all about it. Yes. And you two won the joint perrier for alliteration of the week. He's actually going, and I think there is more, obviously, attention on it now because of his 10-year you know, position of being in ten the... Ten-year tenure, I think Ten-year tenure, that. exactly. I was trying to avoid that little really? bit of alliteration. Really? But <laughs> See, why would you want to avoid that? That's what we do. I know. My favourite bit of that clip is you saying, really? Were you trying to avoid that? Really? As in, come on, it's funny. It was my it idea. Is. Absolutely right. <laughs> oh, well. Mm. From one joint period to another joint period, this time won by yourself Good. and caller Marie in Castleford. It's the Agree to Disagree Award. Good morning, mate. Morning. Happy bonfire night. Thank you, and to you. Are you going to a fireworks display later? I am, yeah. And right. I, I don't often agree with you, um, Mr Graham, but I do on this one, I'm sorry to say. You mean disagree with me? me I don't. You mean you disagree with me, don't you? I do disagree, yes. yeah. Yes, go on disagree, then. Yeah. <laughs> the agree, disagree, it's, it's all the same. It's very complicated. It isn't easy. Also, you say so many things that, you know, I get what I... Yeah. I, I, I could understand why some people would agree with you sometimes and yes, disagree with and you disagree sometimes. disagree with me other times, yeah. We agreed today, Marie and I. You did, yeah. You did. She was very good today, Marie. She was. She always is, but, you know, today she mm. gave us that insight from where the, the heart of the story. Anyway, from a caller who respectfully disagrees with you to another that, that, well, not so much. You'll remember Adam in Leeds. Oh, yes. Uh, who rang in to talk about strikes. He wasn't and happy. He wasn't happy and he delivered the insult of the week. Michael, listen, Michael, I think you are sick. Do you? <laughs> You call the people who believe on the climate change stupid, but right. I think you are stupid. Well, that's and fine. The people who don't believe on, on, on the climate change are the ones who are stupid. Okay. Because because if you if you if you if you think like that, yeah. And basically, you're trying to uh, because people listen to you on the radio yes. station, and they think that you, they look at you our role model, yes. and they think, oh, oh, Michael is saying, telling us the truth. Yes. Where this I guy am telling you the truth. No, you're not saying the truth. You're trying to brainwash people. <laughs> you try to brainwash people. Yeah, well, obviously it's not working, is it? Because I'm no, not brainwashing not. him. Of course not. You Otherwise, know. we'll have everyone calling in to say how. But it's nice once in a while to be called thick and stupid because obviously I'd be very hurt if I was thick and stupid. But yes. so, since I'm not, I don't mind being called it. No, listen, it's great. I think I think it makes people humble. It does. And yeah. you know, anyway. it keeps me keeps my feet on the ground. <laughs> Correct. That's yeah. what I meant to say. But Maybe sometimes... we could make it into an advert. You know, listen to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Yeah. He's thick and stupid. <laughs> Oh, three, four, 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 nine, nine, one thousand. Yeah. Are you thicker than Mike Graham? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. You try. Um, off to Julia Hartley breakfast now. <clears throat> talk sports Ben Fletcher, who's yes. a familiar voice in yes. the station. He's booked every morning to talk about the latest sports news. Mm. In reality, he uses most of the airtime to rant about things he doesn't like, right. which is 
most Mostly of the time. Mostly everything. Do, yeah, everything, and especially if it's to do with people younger than him. Ah, yes. Um, this time, earlier this week, he was going on about people who leave football games before the end, and for that, he wins the Perrier for Backtrack of the Week. Mm. Yeah. Totally, totally they unpredictable. It's all over. And there were people ringing in to talk sport last night, moaning about the fact that they left it 3-1 down. Your fault, mate. In oh, yeah, 25 years, yeah, in 25 years of watching football, I've never left a game early. There was there one was occasion... There was one occasion. There was one occasion. I've never done it, but never. there was one occasion. So maybe he needs to be told what never actually means. Never means maybe. actually never having done it, like, at all. Yes. Not once. Yes. You know, like, you can't say, I've never committed a crime, except for that except one... Except for that one time. That, that one time, you know. I've never driven a car, apart from that uh, apart one from time when, when I, I drove When it. I got my licence. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, we'll call him in for a lesson. Um, another one for uh, from breakfast uh, This from this morning, and it's the noise of the week. Okay. Ben, please address your letters to Ben Fletcher. At not, BFA's not, not to me. Uh, right, whose alarm's going off there? That is definitely one of those uh, find my iPhone type alarms, isn't it? That was uh, Julia's alarm. Was it? That was her 7.45 alarm. Why does she have a 7.45 alarm when the show starts at 6.30? Well, um, I don't know the details, <laughs> but um, all I know. I mean, if you're going to be waking up at quarter to eight, it's too late. <laughs> it might have been an alarm for something else. You know that sometimes people set alarms during the day yeah. to, to remind them. But um, I just think it's really funny that it was her alarm. That's funny. So there you go. Okay. From Breakfast Evenings, mm -hmm. James Well with yes. the Perrier for Storyteller of the Week. Well, it was in the pub, um, and then. Uh, I couldn't eat all the sausages, and I thought I'll I'll keep one for yeah. my dogs. So <laughs> it was a bit moist, me. and I thought I'll wrap it up in a, a, a serviette thing. Yeah. And so I I just put the whole sausage in my mouth and just sucked off all the gravy and everything else, and rolled it up. And I suddenly saw somebody <laughs> looking at me in the most disturbed way. Can you blame oh, them? that's disgusting! So you sucked off the sausage before you gave it to the dogs. No, I couldn't wrap it up. It was covered in gravy, could I? How else was I going to... Would you accept a sausage off your dog if the dog had sucked it off? <laughs> I, ha I have eaten a dog biscuit. What does Dear that got God. to do with anything? I've I eaten know. a dog biscuit. <laughs> yeah, I have so many questions. I think we have time. I know, I know. We should do a special Goodness hit on this. Me. I mean, and by the way, you can put a, a sausage covered in gravy in a napkin and take it home for your dog. That is possible to do. And then you can, if you wish, oh. wash the sausage before you give it yeah. to the dog. So it doesn't go against the law or anything. No, no. I mean, that is allowed. You don't have to <laughs> suck the gravy off it before you put it in the wrapping. Well, James, if you're listening God. for next time, you know. And uh, finally, Mike, uh, um, this uh, last one Paris for you. And, yes. uh, and, you know, normally my process is I sit down, I listen to the audio, I come mm. up with a type of award I'm going to give someone. Yes. This time, however, you've made it really easy for me to, to figure this out. So I uh, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. You win the Perrier for the self-appointed idiot of the week. <laughs> my own invention, which I mentioned to Christo some months back, Mucketeer. Mucketeer. The people who seek to muck up Brexit. Jason Mucketeer used to play for <laughs> Liverpool. Oh, I didn't know it was a proper surname. <laughs> no, it's Mcateer actually. Sorry, this is being oh, stupid. Yeah, you're now. right. I'd have a. I'm just being um, an idiot now. I've just, I've, 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 I've gone full idiot on you. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a you funny went. joke though, Mcateer. Don't you think? I didn't get it. Well, because you don't know who Liverpool players are from the last uh, twenty years, probably. No, because because uh, uh, I was. How I was, are Barcelona uh, doing, by the way? I said they drew the other day. Did they in the Champions League? Yeah, I don't. I don't follow that because I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. <laughs> Right, right, too. That's it for the Perry Awards. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. There'll be more next week.
The Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.